This is Coda Radio, episode 226 for October 10th, 2016. Everyone and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. Tell you more about those great sponsors as this year's show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us from the East Coast, perhaps still positioned in the same spot he was last night, is Mr. Michael Dominic. Hello, Mike. I haven't moved. I haven't slept. <laughs> You've just been shaking back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, thank you for joining me last night on the live stream of the second debate. Uh, even though, you know, because uh, we don't no talk problem. politics on this show, so it's fun every now and then to go off and do something totally different. And there's nothing like a like a live event to just be able to sit back and uh, play broadcast. Yeah, it's I, a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I would define this election as fun. No, um, no, no. Hanging out with you guys during the debate's the highlight of it. That's that's it. But after that, it all goes downhill. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, you know, the notes I was taking during the debate seemed rather tear stained in the morning. <laughs> yeah. It was no matter uh, who wins, it's all ending in tears. It like, was it was really it was really yeah. quite a production last night. Um, and it went long. You know, we were here at the studio uh, all night. I, st- I ended up crashing here just to finished getting everything out the door, and then I was just exhausted afterwards. So it's one of those days where, uh, I'm not kidding you, I woke up five minutes before, my, I, I recorded a show before this uh, before Quarter Radio Day, so I woke up five minutes here at the studio before that show was supposed to start, and stumbled down to the studio and recorded, and then that just wrapped up, and now I'm here. It has been a blur. <laughs> it has been yeah. a blur. How are you feeling? Are you re- have you recouped? Are you awake? I'm exhausted. Um, I actually had to do some development after the debate. Oh, my gosh. While listening on the radio to the uh, oh, the analysis. Oh, my God. It was like, you know, I ended up finding a, uh, and this is going to go super nerdy to uh, to lit nerds. Uh, are you familiar with uh, La Morte Arthur or the Once and Future King, any kind of the classic Arthurian legends? The Once and Future King kind of rings a bell, but no, I wouldn't. Yes, I would I, not say I'm familiar with it. There is, uh, in the traditional story, there is a knight, Bedivere, right? Knight of the Round Table. Arthur gets killed at the end. You know, you, I guess everybody knows the story, so I'm not going to go into it, right? But basically, bad guys win, right? Mm. Bedivere goes back, takes Excalibur, tosses that mother into the lake, and, you know, gives up all the power. I'm thinking we should do that. I'm, I'm thinking it's time to just fold, destroy the Union, and make a new deal. We need to split into two countries. <laughs> I, think we like tried, I, I think we tried that once. It didn't go so well. Yeah, but like, like, let's let them go this time. Say, <laughs> have fun. Like, so yeah. All right, you guys are on your own. Sorry, well, yeah. You know, I I get fired up about this kind of stuff. So uh, if uh, if this if this all tickles your fancy, you should guys check out this week's Unfilter. We'll have some highlights from the debate. Yes, and I, and I think in a few weeks I will be back if I you yeah. know, manage not to hang myself. Yeah, for the third and final. Oh, it will be final. So watch the calendar for uh, Mike and Chris's uh, analysis of the debates. It's more entertaining than you might think. I hope you can still write in Bernie. That's all I'm going to say. Speaking of entertaining. Uh, Joel Spolsky, which you might uh, oh, not, dear. he's the guy behind, uh, he's the uh, CEO at Stack Overflow, uh, and he's also created some systems in the past for measuring productivity within companies. He created a project management software you might also be familiar with called Trello. So, uh, oh, yeah. this, this guy has some standing and, and fog. 
Fogba's, and and in terms of interviewing, he's the guy who invented. If you've ever heard of the Joel test, that's him. Oh, okay. Joel test. Here's what he said. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, at a he was uh, at a talk, and he says, "If you want to attract attract and keep developers, don't emphasize ping pong tables, lounges, fire pits, and chocolate fountains. Give them private offices, or let them work from home because uninterrupted time is to concentrate is the most important and scarcest commodity for developers." Work from home. What do you think about that point? So uh, I think it depends on the person, but I think it's generally true. And certainly chocolate fountains and ping pong tables. I, I think that's a relic of Silicon Valley and of particularly the 90s. I know it still happens. I know some of the trendier uh, New York companies in the meatpacking district still do it. But it, that is a certain type of company you're talking about there. Yeah, I, I, don't feel like it's, I, think, I don't feel like that particular statement was too controversial. But he goes on to say something that I thought was kind of interesting. He kind of – he grills Facebook and then sort of uh, throws uh, sunshine yeah. over to Microsoft's court. He says uh, Facebook's campus in Sil- Silicon Valley is an eight-acre open room and Facebook was very pleased with itself for building what it thought – was an amazing place for developers. He goes on to say in this interview with GeekWire, uh, but developers don't want to overhear conversations. That's ideal for a trading floor, but developers, they need to concentrate to go, to, in, to go into a chat room and ask questions and get an answer later. Facebook is paying 40 to 50% more than other places, which is usually a sign that developers don't want to work there. Yeah, so I think there's a few things here. Um, Facebook pays more because they can pay more, right? Yeah. But I, I would also throw in he's probably half right in that or maybe fully right in that people don't want to work at Facebook. In my experience, uh, top talent that I've tried to hire, that I've tried to retain, and particularly when I've not been able to retain the talent, has been because, you know what, man, this is a consulting shop and you guys are just effectively mercenaries, right? Um, I just don't believe in what you're doing. And I have found that wages are not – how can I put this? When hiring employees, wages – Somebody who comes in primarily negotiating salary or wages is someone who's really a freelancer in training, right? That You're building someone up to be a potential competitor. Mm. Someone – most of the people you want who are good but don't you know, really want to do their own sales or their own uh, business development – and this is, again, coming very much from the consulting side, right? Uh, are – not primarily that doesn't mean they don't want a, a decent wage but they're not primarily driven by wages they're driven more by can i learn something i'm interested in you know so that kind of hmm that definitely feels like that fits for me but it kind of also uh he goes on to talk about microsoft in that context uh so a little background in 2011 when yeah, he i don't know about that i mean <laughs> i don't know about all that noise well here's what he says yeah well, I'll, I'll get your th- 16 years ago uh when he was working on trello he, he wanted to come up with a way for developers to evaluate prospective employers, and so he created a list of 12 yes or no questions with one point given for every yes answer. And he says the truth is that most software organizations are running with a score of two or three, and they need serious help. Let me just stop you here. The Joel test, which is what he's referring to, is the most yes. damaging thing ever done to software development companies. So let's talk about that. But he says that Microsoft runs full-time in his score system at a 12. He says Microsoft figured out a way to create software with a high degree of sanity. And, it's, and he says it's surprising a, hasn't spread. No, they have figured out – so all right. Let's, they fi- but have they figured out that or they figured out a way to rig a game? Well, we should define what the Joel test is because th- we're going to get into issues of – uh, selection bias, and you know we're going to understand why. Oh, okay, that sounds yeah, this, this yeah. get pretty rough. All right. So if you 
bring up the Joel test. I got to hear you. Yeah. I can. I, do you want me Go to do ahead. the twelve questions? Here's I would the, like you just to read them out. Yep. Yeah. Here's the Joel test. Uh, do you sort? Do you use source control? And each one of these are a number. Uh, okay. Can you make a build in one step? Do you make daily builds? Do you have a bug database? Do you fix bugs before writing new code? Do you have an up-to-date schedule? Do you have a spec? Do you have programmers? Do programmers have quiet working conditions? Do you use best tools the money can buy? Do you have testers? Do new candidates write code during their interview? Do you do hallway usability testing? That's the 12 questions in the Joel test. Questions. Now, on the face of them, I would say half of them are obviously things that no one would disagree with, right? Do you use source control? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a, a bug database, which I'm assuming is a ticketing system we would call it now today, right? Remember, this is from the 90s, so I'm going to give him plenty of leeway, right? Do you fix bugs before writing new code? I have never lived in a universe where that was true. Like all some bugs, bugs are fixed before. Yeah, some bugs are really minor, like the font is two points off, and and some bugs get fixed with new code. <laughs> right, like some bugs, we just rip out the feature and rewrite it. Like that's, <laughs> you know, that's hey. Um, do you have an up to date schedule? Name five. Name five up to date schedules that are major projects. Yeah. Uh, do you have a spec? Define spec, because uh, sure, but no one. I mean. Well, define tester, right? Define hallway right. usability right. testing. I mean, a lot, a lot of this stuff is pretty, like, I think it shows its age a little bit. It shows, you know, I remember, I, Chris, I remember the early 2000s when we had, like, big documents of what we were going to build. And you could just say, hey, that's not in the document, man. I'm not doing it. <laughs> that doesn't really exist anymore, as I've, as I've bemoaned for roughly three years since we've been doing the show. And I just if you could just bring it up one more, there is a um, a really frightening one on there that I think has done more damage than anything else in our industry, other than mm. possibly H one B visas. And that is number I think it was number eleven. Do you yes. do new candidates write code during their interview? Yes. So we talk a lot, or we don't, because I don't think it's that interesting of a subject, but Recode in particular and Kara Swisher um, and the Next Web love to talk about selection bias. And, hey, remember um, that time you got in a Twitter fight with Kara Swisher? <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> yeah, she doesn't. That was I mean, good, man. That, that was, good. was not great. Well, you know, when you're protecting, it, it's a little ironic for Kara Swisher to be protecting uh, Nick Den, but mm-hmm. whatever. We can just let that go. Yeah, that was a good time, though. Uh, yeah, it wasn't that fun. And it's also bad when I'm the one fighting for a sense of decorum. Yeah. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. Um, so do new candidates write code during their interview? Sounds kind of innocuous on its face, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, that has morphed into online programming quizzes, pub trivia style interviews, whiteboard interviews, paper interviews, take home projects. Is that uh, the I genesis heard... of this, you think? Because, yeah. This is. This is the at, this is the Eve giving Adam the apple of this. Once mm. managers were told they could actually make you work on your interview, you know, I have I very just bear with me one second. I have been doing. Uh, oh, first of all, I have a couple things to share today that I didn't put in the doc, but I have been working with Rutgers University on their uh, their sort of uh, state funded coding boot camp program whose oh. name I can't remember. I'm also going to be a judge on the congressional app uh, contest. I saw that. So. Yeah, so I'm going to be working with – I'm working with a lot of students, right? These are students who are – the traditional students who are coming from training. And I've heard some horrible stories where if I didn't – you know, 
give the employer the benefit of the doubt. It really just sounded like they gave people little coding assignments that they actually need, like little bugs they really needed fixed as interview questions mm. and effectively got free labor under the guise of, oh, well, we only want to hire the best of the best. Joel is a is another proponent of the 10x developer myth, which I think is a flat lie. Um, you should not be working on your interview. Anything beyond FizzBuzz is ridiculous. Anything where it actually looks like their actual product is is not something you should be doing, right? Uh, first of all, uh, l- l- let's be real here. If there is a 10x developer, they're not working for consultancies. Mm. So if you're interviewing at a consultancy, you are a 1x or 0.5x developer. And it, don't feel bad because I don't believe in the 10x developer, so I think you're, everybody is relatively equal. Yeah. <laughs> It just, you know, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, these ridiculous questions. Why is a manhole cover around? Um, all these questions do, and, and there have been studies on this. Please, for the love of God, Google it. All they do is enforce a implicit selection bias towards young, unmarried, single white men with no children who wear hoodies and don't know how to talk to women so they'll work 20 hours a day. Yeah, I, I definitely suffered the uh, the industry was catching this new trend on, and they weren't nobody had really really figured out all the bad parts of it yet. And I had I had many interviews, including ones with Google and others, where I had to go through these hoops, and I found it to be it, it, it particularly hard for me because a new situation like an interview like that, unless I already had a great job and I didn't really need the job. They were kind of stressful, and so I'm not in my best right state of mind. And then when you throw all of a sudden uh, a problem like that at me, I'm I'm not coming at it with the kind of passion and focus and complete full whole well, mind you, I might. And so I I always felt disadvantaged. Well, you have. I mean, I I don't know how to put this nicely, but I feel like a lot of what they're searching for are people who are passionate enough to do their own thing, but dumb enough to go work for you. You know, frankly, if you have someone who can't get the job done between nine and five, you should fire that person, not convince them to work another six hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> but somehow the thing that everybody wants to hire for is, oh, we need to get someone who's passionate. But what we really mean by passionate is willing to work double time. I ever tell you about the time I was uh, – I would come in early. I would get there at seven and I would I, leave – Around 3.34, I sometimes would work through my lunch. And so I was going out the door at like 3.45 one night. And the new, new IT boss catches me on the stairs. And he says to me, he says, you know, I notice who comes and goes. And I notice the folks that are working late and the ones that are leaving early. It tells me something about their commitment. Yep. And that was literally the moment I decided I was no longer going to work at this place because this guy was a jackass anyways. And so I decided at that moment, I'm, I am out of here. This is He's a jackass. And well, I just I was like, you have no idea how hard I work. Uh, and, you know, I, he had only been there for three weeks or something like that. And I'd been there for a while and I, I had built that place up. I was very dedicated. I had just built it to a place where it was running very smoothly. I got in in the morning to support the users. And when they all started leaving around three, I would leave around three thirty, four o'clock. It worked pretty yeah, well. Yeah. But I had just well, gotten good at my job. Yeah, if you have East Coast users especially. I, you know, I, I really – you know, I, I don't want to get into this because we've had plenty of people over the years write into the show about like horrible interviewing experience. But 
if you want to know why this is happening to you, this is your guy. And I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I think he's one of the greats. He's a better developer than I will ever be, for sure. Absolutely true. By his number, by his system, though, he says Microsoft's a 12. They've got it all checked. Oh, and I don't know many people who would want to work there. Maybe I'm wrong, right? Yeah. Well, and and he's confused. I don't understand. He says, I can't, I don't understand why it's not. He says it's surprising that the Microsoft uh, system hasn't spread. We've heard such well, we've gotten such horrible notes in about the review system and and right, how the stack ranking and the horrible interview process. I, I frankly like why would you want to work at a place that tortures you for two months? But to if you maybe possibly want a job, I mean, can, can you explain that to me? Maybe I'm just arrogant from being a consultant for too long. No, in I, fact, no I don't I, even I, like interviewing for contracting gigs. To be honest, before like, even before. Even before I was a contractor, I turned down uh, a, a job at Microsoft because uh, it was going to be a small team, and there was like six people on the team. It was actually working on Linux at Microsoft. This I don't believe that. Years ago, oh, they love Linux. I mean, they love Linux. They, this is way they, before all that. This is. Oh, they were in the closet, Chris. They were in the closet at the time. At the time, what they were doing was they were comparing Samba file servers against Windows file servers, and they were doing like internal benchmark trying to get trying to get their head around the competitive edge that Linux had. And it would have been a job where you do studies and then you find the results that promote Windows and then that's what they publish. But my part would have been the building and testing. And it was at the time it was a team of six and I think their plan was to to grow it to eight or something like that. And I had to interview with three managers for a team of six. I would have been the seventh, I think. Three managers. Yeah. And it was three separate trips to Redmond, three separate lines of questions that basically asked the same question. Back and forth on the calendar invites, and I went to all three of them. And then after I got done, I, I sat with it for a bit, and I honestly asked myself if that was the experience to get the job. What's it like once I'm working there? <clears throat> and uh, I declined the job, and then they made two counter offers to try to get me to accept the job. They made two follow up counter offers, and I got really, really tempted uh, by the final counter offer because also they, you know, they have great benefits. Um, but I just, I, I just knew I would have died inside working for a company that had three managers for a team of six. And I, 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 that was my real like wake up experience with Microsoft. So I know, and for some people, you know, I have friends still down there working. So I know for some people it's, it's a great gig and they have, yeah. you know, you get an office for a lot of them and they, they have, they have well, a good I, I, culture I think for some of them. To, yeah. To be fair to Microsoft in particular, I, I do know a few people who work there and they're very happy. Yeah. I think what it is is it's kind of like a, you know, fraternity, right? Once you're in, you're in, but the hazing ritual's a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm arguing there shouldn't be a hazing ritual, right? Yeah. Because, you know, every state of this country, you can, or except for California, because you guys are socialist, even though I know you're not in California, you can just fire people <laughs> at will two days after you hire them. Yeah, we have that here in Washington. Right. Just get out. You suck. Why not just do that? I mean, it's bad for morale. I, I know why I don't do it, because small place, you know. Most people, horrible. though, do like a 90 day. Thing, you know, all right. Well, even ninety days, even even you know, uh, yeah, one hundred and twenty days, right? Four months. I I don't unless they want someone who's so in love with you know, it's not just Microsoft, right? It could be Facebook. Um, I know Facebook is actually worse than Microsoft at this. I've heard they're tremendously bad. Someone who's so in love with the idea of being a Facebooker or a Microsofty or a Googler that they'll go through this, and it's kind of like a prove your love to me sort of situation. I don't know. I don't get it. I yeah. 
you know, you know, when you and I were in Vietnam, uh, wrongly <laughs> convicted for a crime, yeah, and we went with our cigars mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, uh, I remember that uh, BA Baracus. Yep, we're we're not exactly the loyal type, right? We're just you know, if if you have a problem, and if you can find us, you know how to get a hold. There you go. Yeah. Got to get a hold. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, Mr. Dominic, in light of possibly looking for a new gig. Uh, our longtime sponsor, Linux Academy, which is a great oh. educational platform to learn more, has a semi-recent feature that uh, I wanted to turn people on to. They now have public profiles where you can list publicly your accomplishments and you can link that in your resume or to an employer. And you're kind of benefiting, too, from the rising stature that Linux Academy has as well. But on top of that, <clears throat> if you've never signed up for Linux Academy, they now are offering a seven-day free trial. So go to linuxacademy.com slash coders. Learn more about their platform where they have great comprehensive study guides. They also have quick starts if you don't have a lot of time. They have downloadable comprehensive study guides, stuff that you can listen to while you're in the shower or driving, stuff you can read offline. You can get actual instructor mentoring when you need it. They've got a community stacked full of Jupiter Broadcasting members. They're constantly updating and iterating existing and new content, stuff for all types of Linux jobs, but all the technologies around it, too. PHP, Ruby, Python, building all of that stuff up, working with Linux networking and stuff. And then there's like the, the high-level stuff too, like OpenStack and Azure and AWS. They have iOS and Android apps available. They have a course schedule where you can pick a course instead of time frame. Learning paths, which are a series of courses and content planned by instructors for specific types of career tasks. Going back to that public profile too, something to consider that might uh, – even if you've already got a gig, you're not looking for something – but your employer gives you a little budget for education, this could be an amazing resource because you've got a way to validate your work. It's a resource for you built by people that actually know what the hell they're talking about or this is what they focus on. That could be a win-win. Start by going to linuxacademy.com slash coders. Go take advantage of that new seven-day free trial. linuxacademy.com slash coders. That's right there, how you support this show. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio Program. So there was a there was a post on Medium by uh, Mr. Bover is his last name, and uh, he says he's a guerrilla digital creative freelancer. Woo! That just makes my mouth buzz talking about what the it. Hell, does that mean? Yeah, but he's a gorilla. Like, is he like the guy from DC Comics, the talking? Gr- you know, his no? picture doesn't look like it. He does have a beard, though. He's not rude. He's not. No. 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 So we could talk about this. He hates iOS development, and he's got some reasons. But if you want to throw, who doesn't? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, so there's a couple actually iOS bad stories here. And why don't we just lump them into, you know, it's like Felix the Cat, right? Back to his old tricks. It's kind of like when, One, um, when if you ever, if your family ahead. ever had uh, leftovers, did you ever have like leftovers where mom would take like, well, here's the ground beef we had the other night. Here's the noodles we had uh, from the other night. And here's some cheese we had in the fridge. And uh, maybe like a tomato sauce, just put it in the oven. You ever have a, like a meal like that? Like, it's clear the fridge of leftovers. That's what we're going to do right now with iOS bad stuff. No. We're making a, a iOS garbage casserole. Like a goulash, yeah. A yeah. goulash. Yeah. Privet comrades. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so right off the bat, this guy's angry because Walled Gardens, blah, 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 makes it good as a user. Yeah, yeah, we've all heard it before. Excellent job on the SEO clickbait. Yeah, he good says work. dealing with iOS is like trying to have yeah. a conversation with a paranoid robot working as a Soviet border officer in a kafka Novel. I, I, I would say it's more like being married to a beautiful nun, but we don't need to dig too deep into that yeah. analogy. All right. Uh, what have you heard of this uh, in the last, I'd say, month? 
the iOS app review has been more aggressive about scanning for your method signatures matching private APIs, even if you're not actually using a private API. Huh. Uh, I've heard that review has been going through changes, but I hadn't heard that particularly. I haven't felt it personally, but I've, I've heard and somebody tweeted me about it, and I've seen it on Hacker News too, that for whatever reason, rejections have, have kind of significantly spiked for this reason. And the answer from the App Store is change your method signatures, which is kind of lame. I mean, you can do it, but you know, there's no really public list of all of these that are now forbidden. So that's weird. Uh, the other big yeah, story, and, and, and there's no statement. So when I say that's weird, it's just like, yeah, that is, hey. yep. Uh, Dash, which is a popular iOS and OS 10, I'm sorry, Mac OS app for, in fact, I we featured it way back when as one of the tools I love uh, on the Mac, is a, it's kind of a, you know, a, a journaling, not journaling, but like a, it's a directory of your API docs, right? So it's a native app that does that for you. You can search, let's say, you know, string with string, it'll give you, do you have an, and, you know, it's an Android, uh, iOS, whatever, it'll bring up the API. It was removed from the App Store quite suddenly, um, which is interesting for a few reasons. It's a one-man sort of app. And the account for the developer was canceled. And the account was canceled, and the developer in question is actually, you know, I would say he's like a, a B player in the Mac iOS community, but he's still a pretty known figure. And there was a bit, you know, he they claimed that he had done some sort of review manipulation. He wrote a blog post saying, I did not. And then Phil Schiller came out, and this is unheard of for Phil Schiller to come out. And uh, Chris, if you could just read the line from Phil, I think it's, uh, I don't know if you have it, but I'll get it for you. Let's see. Uh, Apple contacted me and told me they found evidence of App Store review manipulation, which is something I've never done. Uh, but I don't see the uh, Phil Schiller comment in the original blog post. Yeah, I have it here. Let me uh, let me just read it out for you. Hmm. Okay. So Mac OS version still continued. Oh, outside the App Store. Oh, right, because his account, when they canceled his account, it pulled the iOS version and the uh, app. So, app, Mac right. OS I'm going to truncate the introduction of this email and just read the meat of it. Uh, I did look into the situation when I read about it. This is from Phil Schiller, by the way. I did look into the situation when I read about it today. I am told this app was removed due to repeated fraudulent activity. We often terminate developer accounts for ratings and reviews fraud, including actions designed to hurt other developers. Just run that by you again. We often terminate developer accounts for ratings and review fraud, including actions designed to hurt other developers. So the implication is is that he was doing something to impact. Bill Schiller just implied that an independent iOS developer was, I mean, this is all speculation, right? But somehow possibly writing fake reviews. of the. I mean, he didn't have a ton of competition. Um, but somehow writing fake reviews of his competition or doing something that would harm other developers. That That's a major accusation. Feels, it's a major accusation, and that feels icky on a number of fronts. One, Dash isn't putting anybody out of business anytime soon, right? Like there, you know, it's a popular indie app, but it's still an indie app. Could have so. been, you know, but you don't. If it's true, you don't know what the motivation. It might not have been a competitive motivation. It might have been an emotional motivation. Well, I just hate this other company, so I'm going to go like one star their app over and over again. I mean, that, developer drama is a thing. Of course it is, right? Developers don't like each other in a lot of certain ways. <laughs> but, 
we won't get into that. You know, in sysadmins, we never have this problem. We all just basically well, love each other. The with developers is like one good blog post can really fuck you over, but we're not going <laughs> to okay. listen. Listen to the back catalog if you want to. If you want to lose five thousand dollars in a day, um, so much rage. <laughs> Where was I? You see, you see what you did. I saw what you did. That I was well. That was, you uh, were you were sort of uh, reveling in the sort of unprecedented nature of to have Apple call out a developer like this and how yucky it is because it implies that he may have been trying to manipulate a competitor's reviews, which I, also sort of shines a light on probably a larger issue in the App Store that Apple probably doesn't like talking about. <laughs> oh no no no! It happens, right? Sure, you yeah, can yeah. totally pay folks in Bangalore to go or bang any place. That's cheap. Amazon right. Turk, whatever it is. Right. And go ahead and make a bunch of fake five or one star reviews. But I have never heard of a case of Apple actually calling someone out publicly before. Well, did Apple know he was going to post the contents of that email? Because that's something to consider. Uh, that email was not from him. That email, <laughs> Phil Schiller sent that email to a third party, some sort of. Uh, oh, I, I see. Guess. So, yeah, this is very. In a way, this is Apple responding to someone going to the press and trying to get critical mass to force them to back off by basically shaming them and saying, this is precedent setting, right? Because the way indie developers could resist an Apple edict before was you go to the press, you cry to the next web, you cry to the Verge, you cry to Mac rumors, you cry to 9 to 5 Mac, and you hope to God somebody picks up your case and makes a phone call. Someone did. Lots of people did. And Apple came back, not only said no, but they've turned this on its head. And now people are looking at uh, this developer and saying, well, what did you do? Apple totally do- uh, Donald Trumped him. This is a this is going to be – I don't know if it will work, but in my eyes, this is designed as a chilling effect on that behavior on the part of developers, right? This is Phil Schiller in particular saying – We have a blowhorn we can use. If you want to attack us, we can fire like, back. If you're going to – you know make our what we consider private disagreements public then so are we hmm that is uh that is uh that is you're right i hadn't really i hadn't i had i just to me on the surface it looked like oh another app another developer gets his account shut down another app rejection uh and another disagreement on the cause and another case of poor communication but that is that is rather that is rather interesting, and it, it also implies then that Phil Schiller intended for that to be a public statement, and sending it to an outlet like that sort of guarantees wide distribution. I mean, it's you can you can find that on the Verge, you can find that on the next web, you can find it on Mac Rumors, and I find Mac. I mean, name your Apple fanboy site, and you will find it. It's this is um, you know, for all the crap I've given them about their heavy-handed uh, treatment of smaller developers. I will say this is probably the most aggressive thing I've ever seen them do. I wonder if they're just sick and tired of it. Sick and tired of going to the blog and being the victim. Well, I'm, I'm sure they're sick and tired of looking like you know the evil empire. And, and maybe they're right, right? I mean, as uh, Make Hexco Great Again, there are plenty of companies that will sell you app marketing services where what they're doing is running a bunch of bots and like spamming your uh, competitors with negative reviews and spamming you with positive reviews. But to pull someone's account permanently, I mean, this is, you know, this is like Google saying, you know what, you've used some pretty aggressive SEO tactics, so we're going to delist you 100%. You you don't show up in search anymore. Oh, and we're disabling your Gmail account. Yeah, that's because, yeah. Oh, and we're deleting your Google Drive. 
<laughs> oh, and your Google Photos gone too, right? Like it, this is a pretty, really oddly aggressive, and 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 the fact that it was done publicly, you know, this is uh, Henry VIII killing Thomas More in public, right? This is, well, look what I did to him. Keep your mouth shut. I have I have witnessed um, this whole uh, Apple is uh, is destroying my life phenomenon from another side where there's there was definitely two sides to the story and i think it probably often is and i i I wouldn't be surprised maybe we see more of this well uh, and i'll be fair right i would not be shocked if this dude actually you know took one of these marketing companies up on their hey 30-day trial Mm. right but i I would say two things in his defense one did he know that they were going to do that Maybe because um, I've had these marketing companies call and they always say, oh, we just app store optimize your app. We don't do anything bad. And even if he did. Was this is like, was it was there no warning shot? Did no one call him and say, hey, jackass, stop or, um, you know, you'll pay. Yeah, even an email. Right. Even an email or even saying, listen, we are removing all your reviews and resetting your app to uh, in search. Like there are other punishments other than straight up deleting your account. That could have been meted out. Hmm, yeah, that you're right. It is a it, it is a it's a it's a bomb. Well, it's it's it could have just been a shot across the bow. Instead, they dropped a bomb. Well, they could have. You know what they could have done? They could have put his search ranking back to zero, uh, removed all his positive reviews, and said, "You are like a brand new app today, and you're not going to be on the first page." Well, the issue the is, is that he was manipulating potentially other reviews. It sounds like. So give. I mean, you, Apple can do anything, right? Like, <laughs> it could boost everybody else and put him down in the search ranking. Because remember, all this review manipulation is just about search ranking because search just doesn't work mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. on the App Store. I, I don't know. I mean we should get off of this. I, I'm hoping the story continues and you know, if the Dash guy really did this, yeah. you know, he hasn't said anything in response to the Phil Schiller that I'm aware of since – and I, I did look again yesterday uh, since Phil Schiller came out with that. So maybe he's trying to kind of walk away from it. Maybe there's a private conversation going on that – will resolve this to his credit he did do the correct mac app store receipt validation so people like me who bought his mac app and the mac app store were able to convert the license to a non-mac app store version but that doesn't help his he'll help him on ios at all because he's just basically screwed stay tuned for the android version of no i'm <laughs> uh, all right why don't we take a moment i got something i want to throw at your face see what you thought curious if you caught that this week, but first I'm going to mention DigitalOcean. Use our promo code CODERDIGITAL. You get a $10 credit. That's one word. You apply it to your account. DigitalOcean is a great resource to spin up infrastructure as you need it, when you need it. They have droplets that are transferable, pausable, destroyable, clonable, templatable, and they have data centers all over the world. You can start with a uh, complete application stack if you want in one of these droplets. Uh, Node.js, Ruby on Rails, OwnCloud, Ghost. And GitLab are probably some pretty common ones. Um, I've also just done the LAMP stack and then went out and you know downloaded the project that I was going to try and deploy it on there. MediaWiki, if you want to use a wiki for maybe some documentation. Joomla, if you want something pretty turned up. Or WordPresser. This is, this is an example of entire application stacks where they deploy the Linux underlying system and the application. They're using official repositories with all of the correct GPT signatures and all that goodness. Or you go spin up one of your own Linux, uh, Ubuntu, uh, Fedora, CentOS. CoreOS, which is pretty awesome. They have free BSD too. And I don't know if I mentioned Debian. Obviously, they got LTS of the Ubuntus. 
it's a lot of flexibility. So if you're not really sure you want to try something that's pre-built, you can start with a base rig. But if maybe you're not super comfortable administering a server, they also have a great option where you can deploy the entire application stack and have peace of mind that there's great documentation that will back you up on their website. And when you use our promo code Coder Digital, you get a $10 credit. So what are you out? Why not try it out for free? You could run the $5 rig two months absolutely free. They have nice tools, like their beautiful interface and a great API to manage it. They have SSD storage throughout from the systems that attach directly to your droplets or the block storage, which you can add up to 16 terabytes. High availability storage is really nice, and it gives a whole new use case for DigitalOcean. I love how fast the rigs are connected to. When you do updates, it's really a thing of beauty. These systems are super fast, and it helps because they have redundant 40 gigabit connections coming into these hypervisors. Hypervisors run Linux using KVM for the virtualization. They have team accounts if you're working in a business. It's all stuff you trust and know put together in a fantastic package with an incredible interface, and you can try it out two months for free when you use our promo code, CODERDIGITAL, at DigitalOcean.com. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean. And don't forget, go check out that documentation and also the apps. And in the community section on the DigitalOcean website, you can find pre-built uh, like uh, iOS apps and Android apps and uh, control applets to manage droplets that the community's already created. Look in the project section when you go to community, and that stuff kind of turns up. It's pretty cool. There's also a bunch of other great stuff built. You can plug into your existing management infrastructure. Such a nice system. And then the API just, it makes it truly feel like the future. DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code, Coder Digital. Big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Did you see that uh, the KDevelop folks officially have released a Windows version of KDevelop? Version 5.01 beta is now available for Windows. I did see that, and I was surprised that KDevelop was still around. Oh! 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 oh. You know, it's kind of... Here's what they're doing. So they're... So uh, it's an installer for Windows. It's a stable version of KDevelop, but of course the, the installer itself is beta. Uh, it's primarily really probably pitched for people that are doing C or C++ development, but they have plugins they're bundling with it for Python and PHP development. So they've got a whole plugin architecture, really. So you, there's all, all kinds of plugins you could add. But you know, if you're just looking for something free to do Python and PHP, this could be a great option on Windows. I think it's a good thing. <laughs> okay. You know, you're well, like, you, man, it's because you got JetBrains coming out your wazoo. I, I really do. I, I, I'm all about the JetBrains. And, and also, you know, Microsoft loves Linux, uh, but I don't think they love KDE. I'm just, you know, going to throw that out there. Does that change it? A good it cute application is a good application. All right. I mean, I'm looking at it. It looks pretty. I mean, I'll give them that. I just don't. I mean, is there a strong K-developed community that I'm just totally not aware of? Well, I mean, it's probably on Linux. Really? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about that. Because our, I mean, our people, I mean, I remember Cute Cute Creator, which is what I was using when I was doing some cute work. See, I called it Cute, the correct name, instead of QT, because you guys get upset. Is that not a thing? I mean, it's, I guess I don't understand who's using this. All right, fine. I was trying to get us jazzed up because I really thought maybe this could be a nice thing for people that want a nice free tool on Windows, but okay. Just use Visual Studio. It's free too. (laughs) (laughs) 
right, all right, fair, fair. Uh, all right. Well, that, that's, uh, that tells you that we're only going downhill from here. Yeah. So did you have anything else you wanted to surprise me with this week? Uh, no, I would just encourage any students to apply for the Congressional App Challenge. You want to tell, tell me a little bit about that? Because I saw this passing by online, but I don't think you've talked about it much on the show. Sure. Uh, well, because I didn't know about it till after the show last week. Oh, oh, oh. Jesus. God, yeah. it feels like it's... So, I don't know. It feels like ages. Okay. So basically, you can be... A, you have to be a student. You go to the website. I think it's congressionalappchallenge.org, but we can get a link in the show notes later. Mm-hmm. You design an app. You, I think, write the actual app, and you submit it for the challenge. The winner gets, I believe, some sort of prize, and the loser's um, twenty-two you know. days, seven hours left. All right, I will yeah, put a link. I don't have a ton of time, but it doesn't need to be huge. Okay, I, oh, that's fine. Only, I am a judge, not the only judge. There are many judges, so. So you know, what you're saying is they're going to have to buy you off. Well, what I'm saying is, uh, you know, don't just do something like Katy Perry themed or Tiffany Alford yeah, themed. Yeah, right. Because there's other people <laughs> reviewing. <laughs> In fact, I'm one vote of many, so you're probably going to lose. Oh. I will definitely do that, but yeah. Oh my gosh, we are the worst. Well, last week, we forgot to mention that we got a couple of people asking, so we thought, let's do it. We relaunched the Coda Radio hoodie, and oh and uh, wait, did we get a polo? No, what is that? Is that? Oh, it's a t-shirt. Okay, that looks nice, though. Oh, I like the long sleeve, too. The polo might be something we do again in the future, but we figured with it kind of getting cold out again, let's get the hoodie. Yeah. Well, and, and if you're interviewing for a valley job, you, you need to wear the hoodie to get the job, right? That's true. You know, by the way, that dark green of theirs is uh, – I don't often wear like a dark green shirt. That is a sharp green. I really like it. So there's 10 days, seven hours left. You go to teespring.com slash coder dash radio. How do we get a dash in there? Anyways, it's teespring.com slash coder dash radio. We'll have a link in the show notes. These hoodies are super nice and soft. Yeah, I got a bunch of them, and I'm going to get more. And the long sleeve shirts are really good, too. I really like them. The T-shirts are fine, but the long sleeve and the hoodies really stand out in my world. I like them a lot. And uh, they're uh, what? I don't. They're 22 bucks. They're not crazy cheap, but they're not crazy expensive either. Because if, if that long sleeve, yeah, that's not bad. That's, prob- that's damn near cost. But uh, we also have multiple colors, teespring.com. Slash coder dash radio. We probably we should have mentioned it last week because it actually launched last week. Yes. Yeah. Well, we already we already hit the order, so. Oh, so good. Hoodie fiends. Yeah. Well, the hoodies are really nice. I mean, the they're all nice, but yeah, those are those are ones not only do I wear, but like people around me like take them and end up yes. adopting them and wearing them. So yeah, I, I have to order a bunch of hoodies because. Mm-hmm. You know, female relatives like hoodies. Yep. I don't, and I don't uh, and because it's warm, they're cozy. They're like better than a robe because they're functional. They got the hood when it starts raining. I mean, everyone well, in the pocket, right? You can like put a, yeah. a you know. And I think also, I think a hoodie. I think maybe a lot of people, like, lady, a lot of ladies, are like they don't connect. Oh, I'm not going to buy a hoodie for myself. But then, like once once I have one and they see I have a couple of them, they end up getting taken. So, or if you know, if you were to buy like three purple ones, we would take them. It's, it's kind of like that. <laughs> There you go. I in the following uh, sizes. I, I think mean, I, I think I'm going to get a long sleeve blue. And one of the other things we did. Uh, so instead of the huge Coda Radio logo this time, it's just a nice, like discreet, yeah. uh, over the booby Coda Radio, nice and simple. So that way you don't you're not you don't you're not a walking billboard. Which I mean we love, but uh, some of you maybe I, don't. I think you should. I think you should be a walking billboard. Actually, I was very disappointed with these. 
you know, it was always weird is we got a, you know, we did a run of Tech Talk Today swag, which Tech right. Talk Today has my face on it. And so yes. we got a batch of it in, in house. And then every now and then I'm just, I just throw something on when I want to run out and it's cold or something. And I just throw on every now and then I'd throw on a Tech Talk Today hoodie and then I go out in public and it's, I'm walking around with a shirt with my own face on it and it, it, it yeah, that's level of narcissism rarely achieved. I didn't I mean, even mean to. And so then like I, I look like the biggest narcissist and I look down and I'm like, oh, shit, that's my face. <laughs> you go to a bar, order a beer. And they're like, all right, dude, what the fuck? I was just totally disassociated from it. And then I realized, oh, that's actually my face. That's that looks awful. So um, but nobody yeah. else has that problem except for me, I suppose. But the Coda Radio one's nice and discreet. Right over it's the booby. It's, it's, uh, it's like uh, Backpage.com, although they all went to jail, so hey. Oh. All right, Mr. Dominic, now that we've uh, hit that high note, uh, I think maybe— Get it out of here. Maybe it's time to wrap it up. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No, I think we should retire just like desktop Linux. Yeah, you and I both—oh, what? Hmm. We'll have to talk about that next week. You and I both need our beauty sleep after uh, that marathon, which is up on YouTube, by the way. If you guys—but, you know, I'll throw a link in the show notes. It was sure fun. it is. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, join us on Mondays. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get it converted to your local time. JBLive.tv is the URL you put in. If you got a Cody box, and you probably should get a Cody box, I think, Cody, get it installed somewhere and go install our Jupiter Broadcasting add-on. You're cooking with gas. Mike, is there anywhere you'd like to send people online to find you or the biz throughout the week? You know what? Just follow at Dumanuko on Twitter. From now till November, it's going to be great. Power move. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for this week's episode of Coda Radio, and we'll see you right back here next week.